3: All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. (laughs) Put your hands up! This is the Pac-12 Apostles.
4: Keeping it real.
3: And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Apostles.
4: The Pac-12 is now out of the college football playoff conversation. Bad news for the conference. Financially, and prestige-wise. But at least the TV ratings were good, right? Um, there The coaching carousel in the Pac-12 continues. There are rumors about who may be back and who may be out and who may be hired. And, uh, of course, we're going to review re- Week 12 and preview Week 13. And it's basketball season. People, get excited. I'm George Reister, he's Ralph Amson, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles, the podcast by Pac-12 fans, for Pac-12 fans. Where you get the truth, you're going to get the heat, no sugar coating. We keep it 100 at all times. Uh, Yeah, so there we go. And you guys can make sure that you guys leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you share it with a friend. Most importantly, share the podcast. And you guys can hit us up. I'm at I M M A D at Unafraidshow.com. Or you can shoot us an email. Yeah, that's where you can shoot us an email, or you can shoot us a text message, 818-293-7547. That's 818-293-7547. Uh so Ralph, last yes, week sir. was last week was terrible for the conference. You had Oregon lose get knocked out of the college football playoff. And it seemed like so many people in the conference were relishing in that. Washington fans were uh, obviously Utah fans because they wanted to win. But aside from that, you had so many other fan bases like cheering for Oregon to lose. Why is Oregon so hated? First thing. And then the second thing is, do we need to do another back-to-pack episode? (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, George, what does misery love? Company. Yeah, we, we love company. We got a lot the of miserable SEC fans in the summer. The SEC doesn't do
4: this. The SEC doesn't do this. The Alabama wins. Uh, Van, Vanderbilt fans say, We're in the SEC. See, look, best conference ever. Uh, Old Miss, they're like, best conference ever. Uh, SEC West, we're a part of that. See, nobody can touch us. Pac-12 fans, fuck you, hope you die. Like, that's what they say <laughs> to their, their competition. Like, bro, like, why? I don't get it. I hate Washington. Washington plays Michigan. I want Washington to beat Michigan. <laughs> I got to get a fight with Washington fans on Twitter. howling Husky, Softy, on radio shows, whatever it is. Doesn't matter. But I still want these jerks to win when they play non-conference games.
3: Yeah, I know, I root for I root for both Pac-12 teams to win as well as Pac-12 players to go off. The conference is better and more interesting when you have stars, when you have functional teams. I mean, it's not I that whole this whole like movement of like celebrating sickos watching the worst football rooting for things to be dysfunctional uh my no
4: (laughs) no it hurts you like that's the part that people don't realize is that it hurts you and your team because if the conference is looked at in a negative light then that turns around and means that recruits are going to look at it in a negative light. So it's going to be harder for you to land big time recruits. They're like, yeah, but Oregon's recruiting fine. Yes. But now imagine... If Washington could recruit better, USC could recruit better. And like, yeah, that would not be great for Oregon, but it would be better for the conference as a whole, because then the best players would stop leaving and going to other conferences and they would stay right in the Pac-12. Part of it is the perception thing, Ralph. And I don't understand why people can't get it through their thick skulls to root for the Pac-12.
3: I'm with you it's very annoying when you know take take a school like Arizona State which has tried to to move their recruiting profile to a more national um base that if they get somebody that they're going up against who has big 12 interest and big 10 interest and their, their final three schools, you know, one is in the Pac 12, one is in the big 10, one is in the big 12. You have the big 10 coaches being like, you don't want to play in the Pac 12. And that's the, that's how they negatively recruit if they don't have any other material. And, And if you have, you know, if you end the season with, you know, six or seven, uh, bowl teams and five of them are ranked, you can't do that. You, ta- you take that away, which means you keep some more of these players home. Will that hurt you in a head-to-head matchup? Maybe, but if it could help you out of conference if you're able to keep more talent around. I don't know. It's just it. it I understand the argument that I only want my team to win and I don't care about anything else. I understand that. But if somebody comes up to you and shows you and removes the scales from your eyes and says, these things are interrelated. For your long-term health, it is better if you have a healthy environment in which you compete. And somebody lays out that argument for you completely to the point where you see that there are 10 to 12 advantages of having a strong conference. And the only disadvantage is maybe you lose sometimes to those very good teams. Yep. And you still say, I don't give a shit. Then there's nothing I can do for you. There is absolutely nothing I can do for you. (laughs) I'm on this pod been on this podcast all year making the argument that because of how dysfunctional this conference has become that even if Oregon went 12 and 1 they didn't deserve to go to the playoff. And so you could turn around and say like well that's you not back in the pack. No, that's me saying that the Pac-12 is in such bad shape from not having the support of of the fan bases and the alumni and the donors, as well as the distribution that would help fuel those things, that's me saying that we have gotten to this critical mass point where I genuinely believe that the perception of the Pac-12 is such that that they would not deserve that spot. And See, now that's, that's completely out the window bad. with Oregon losing. Is it,
4: and that's and that's bad because we will sit sit here and criticize ourselves. And be like, but like, and be like, yo, we don't deserve it. These other teams deserve it. And you know what they say when their teams are bad? They're like, yep, we're happy to get in, buddy. We're happy to get in. Like, they don't sit there and try to poke holes in themselves. It, and we do it. It's absolutely asinine to me. What's
3: my phrase? Cut off your nose to spite your face? Yep. Not wanting the college football playoff payout. Not wanting that to come to your school, not wanting the even distribution to come to your school so that Oregon can lose is very dumb. (laughs) I don't don't know any other way to put it. It's very stupid.
4: Ralph, 100%.
3: It's like saying, like, man, my worst enemy. My worst enemy. Is rich enough To give me $5 million. But I don't want my worst enemy to be rich.
4: So I'm not going (laughs) to take that
3: $5 million. Because F my worst enemy. Like that is very, very
4: confusing to me. Yep, Bro. Bro. Anyway,
3: happy Thanksgiving, George. (laughs) To those who celebrate. (laughs) Should we do some like really corny segment where we're like, which Pac-12 football team is which Thanksgiving
4: dish? Absolutely not, bro. Absolutely okay. freaking not. No, no, no. It's got it, it it's gotta stop somewhere. <clears throat> um, but the but here's the question though, is how in the world, right? How in the world did Oregon get demolished by Utah like that? Because Utah was a three point favorite, it was 28 to 0. At halftime, I will give you my thoughts on it, but what what were you thinking when it was 7 0 at the end of the first quarter, then 14 and then 21, and then that Britton Covey uh punt return. Yeah.
3: Um, I think that uh championship teams, I just heard Julian Edelman describe this perfectly. Championship defenses run the ball, stop the run, and cover kicks. And one team did that better than another team. And the result is the result. Now, why was it a blowout? Um, Salt Lake was rocking. Salt Lake was rocking, George. And this is not the same physical Oregon team that took it to Utah two years ago. So there was definitely an issue of physicality. Um you know, thirty-one points is a lot of points, and I think it once it kind of got away from, once it kind of got away from Oregon, there is not really a way for them to claw their way back in it. You're missing two of your best receivers, and even then, I don't think that would have made that big of a difference with a with a twenty-eight nothing deficit. And so, I, I think that I think it's one of those things where you took an apple from the bottom of the <laughs> from the bottom of the pile, and everything just sort of like falls because of that. I do think that if they line up again in Las Vegas, that it will be a much different outcome. I, I, I'm not going to tell you that Utah is going to lose, but it'll be a much different outcome. I don't think you'll see a blowout again. I just don't. I, I think that uh, things just got completely out of hand and there was no way to pull it back.
4: Oh, dude, I, I 100% agree with you. That that I think that the that Michael Pittman leaving having so many injuries and then at the beginning of the game it's 7 to 3 you miss a a field goal and then you get a field goal blocked after that which would have put it to 14 to 6 Oregon's offense didn't at all didn't at all put any pressure on Utah because their quarterback uh, started out the game one for seven and then finished up 11 for 18. Like that's not a a superhero performance and they just couldn't get it stopped. They just couldn't stop the bleeding and they were made one dimensional. And then that one dimension turned into a losing dimension. So I, I thought it just got out of, out of hand and there and, Anthony Brown and this team can't pass the ball at a high enough level to, to win games when you get into those situations.
3: Yeah. They put themselves in a situation where what Travis Dye had seven touches total. That's not a, (laughs) that's not a winning recipe. The other thing is, you know, some people, I, I, I think that there are some people that believe like, Oh, Mario Cristobal can't win the big one. That's not, necessarily true. They just won in Columbus. You know, I I, I don't think, I don't think we're going to get to the point where, you know, um, people are like, Oh, every once in a while, Mario Cristobal's evil counterpart, Wario Cristobal shows up <laughs> and it's his fault. They had a bad game. I just think that U- Utah came in with a better game plan. They got ahead. They handled it. Well, they were super physical, and then and then some stuff is just dumb luck. Like defensively, the my main observation in the first half of that game was Oregon kept dialing up the perfect defensive call.
4: Yes, and, and then no go. On.
3: And they would do it two plays in a row, and then on the third play, Utah would make a play. They never got discouraged. They never got dissuaded. They just persisted. They just yep. pushed forward and it was that level of like resolve and competency that blew me away because there were so many plays that Oregon had the perfect defensive call drawn
4: up and 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 it didn't work yes or or like you had Cameron rising rush for a couple of first downs that if those get get stopped because there was perfect coverage he was like oh there's no nowhere he almost got sacked slipped out if those turn into either sacks or throwaways and Oregon gets, gets, gets the ball back, it's a totally different ball game. And with the amount of injuries that they've had, it's just been, you know, extremely tough on them. But I do agree that in two weeks, <clears throat> if Oregon's able to beat Oregon state this weekend, that it will be a totally different game than it was, which would then enrage Oregon fans. Right. Right. And I think that we need to keep things in perspective, whether you're an Oregon fan, a Washington fan, USC fan, whoever you cheer for, right, is the idea that microwave results are going to happen. So this is Mario Cristobal's fourth year. He was nine and four without his own recruits. He was because, like, yes, he helped kind of recruit those guys, but he wasn't the full head coach because Willie Taggart, You know, like left right before the Las Vegas Bowl, so then he comes in left Tyler
3: left Tyler Shuck's backyard (laughs) to take the phone call. He's those were definitely Taggart's recruits. Come on now,
4: correct. And then twelve and four with some of Helfrich's guys, with some of Taggart's guys, wins the Rose Bowl last year. COVID year, all this stuff goes four and three ends up in wins the Pac twelve championship again loses the Fiesta Bowl. So that's two New Year's 6-day bowls. Then this year 9 and 2 number 11 in the nation. And mind you, since he's been head coach they finish ranked every year. 21 11 9 and then if they win their next two games, they'll finish, you know, it with within the top 6 probably, right? If if, if they win all three games, they're the uh Oregon State the Pac 12 championship, and then their bowl game against whether it would be against Ohio State, Michigan, or Wisconsin, then now you're going to have an, a 12 and 2 season again. And when you look at a guy like I would equate, and I know that people are going to be like, George, how could you? This is stupid. I would equate what Oregon is doing with, with Mario Cristobal with what has happened at Clemson. Because people like, Clemson? What are you talking Dude, Clemson has not been a powerhouse. Like, until Dabo, he got there. Like, they weren't playing for national championships, anything like, like that, under Tommy Bowden, under Tommy Tommy West. Think about this. Before uh, Dabo Sweeney took over as head coach, Clemson had not had a 10-win season since 1990. 1990. So like let's keep it 100 about these things. So now so it was 21 years in in between 10 win seasons. But Dabo takes over goes 9 and 5, then 6 and 7, 10 and 4, <clears throat> 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 10 and 3, then 14 and 1 where he lost in the college football uh championship then 14 and 1 again where they won it next year 12 and 2 then 15 and 0 then 14 and 1 then 10 and 2 last year and 8 and 3 right right now Ralph am I over exaggerating when I say that this looks very similar
3: No you need you need continuity and if your base if the base of your talent is going to get you 8 wins then it's coaching. That's going to do the rest. And Oregon has that top level base talent and they're playing in a conference that is, uh, you know, to be frank, uh, not great. And so you, you could probably even up that base to the nine that they're at right now It's the next three games that, that, that Oregon's going to play in. That's your, you're in the bonus, right? And so if you can get to double digit wins, I understand people who have a championship standard championship or bust, but you have to, to have a championship or bust standard. You have to have that double digit win baseline that you can operate from, you know, and Mike stoops at, um, is it Mike? It was Mike stoops right At, at Oklahoma. Who was able to do that dance for like upwards of 15 years where it was double digit wins, get you within. And then eventually they get to the point where they can make the change to um, to, to, to Lincoln Riley and even level up from that base that they were at and supercharge. And so, you know, you, you need, you, they, they need to hang on to Mario Cristobal. They need, they need things to to continue to progress. They need that continuity. Um, and I think that they're still, I think Oregon is still in development. I really do. It would have been nice this year if they could have gotten to that point. Um they, you know, they they got a they got a quarterback um, coming up. They they've got really young, good talent at receiver. They've been recruiting well on the offensive line and the defense. Talent wise, is the best in the Pac-12. They are positioned to be good for a long time as long as they don't upset the apple cart. And so, I'm not, you know, I'm not out on Oregon. Um, I just uh, I, it makes you appreciate Utah that much more for the fact that. This is the third time in non COVID shortened seasons that they've won the Pac 12 South.
4: Yeah. And but but what does that mean or say about other players? You know what I mean? Like, what does that say about other, you know, well, I I should say other Pac 12 South teams. Because Utah, who came into the conference, people yeah. thought that it was going to take them for forever. And if you're really real about it, they've kind of dominated the pack, the Pac-12 South, the last number of years.
3: Right. And what does Utah have?
4: Continuity. Uh, yep.
3: They have continuity. Like they, they have the one thing they had. They had Kyle Whittingham there with Urban Meyer continue on develop staff lose low level staffers to other schools where they became better coaches then brought them back into the system they have continuity they they have an identity too which takes time to establish that's why i don't want ucla to dump chip kelly yep could ucla be recruiting better oh yes <laughs> definitely like you can't argue that but at the same time They are establishing an identity over time. They are doing that. Like USC is not doing that. USC took a shot in the dark on an identity that was unsustainable, an identity that was better suited for Washington state and even Washington state established an identity under Mike Leach. And then the higher they made and Nick Rolovich kept with the identity that they established. Uh, Arizona state had the right idea. Arizona State had the right idea when they hired Herm Edwards in that, like, they wanted to establish the identity of being the Stanford of the South. They wanted to run the ball and play defense. And, you know, it hasn't necessarily worked out, but that is, to me, you have to be able to have continuity to establish who it is you're going to be to be able to get at the recruits that you want to get at, to be able to get at the transfer portal kids that you want to get at, because they know exactly what they're getting. right? And Oregon needs more time to establish that identity to be a player on the highest levels. And I believe that they can do that in this conference. They could certainly do it better in this conference. If there were better competition, more kids staying home for everybody. Um, If it was, you know, and I I think that that you're going to see a lot of transfer portal activity of people who went East that didn't necessarily cut it and end up coming back and finding the right place for them. But I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not discouraged by what's going on with Oregon. I, I don't think that it says anything about the Pac twelve South. I, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed as somebody who, you know, follows Arizona State, went to Arizona State. I'm not ashamed of the fact that Utah came into the conference and, and has slowly taken over the South. They did it to me the right way, the way that, that that is the blueprint for how everybody should be doing it by not having that itchy trigger finger with your coach. And with their staff and everything like that, you have to be, you have to have a long-term vision. You have to stand by people. You have to be able to go through rough patches so long as you are progressing in the right way. Now that's only for building teams. That's not for teams out there like Florida who already have established a championship standard and are out here giving up, uh, 70 points to non FBS (laughs) teams or whatever. Like that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Once you establish a standard, then you have to live by that standard. If Oregon gets to the point where they win a national championship and then Mario Cristobal comes out and takes them to a four and eight season the next year, bye Mario, <laughs> like that that's 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 the um you know that's just the way things are. But I, I think that I think that in order to get to that point, you have to establish who you're gonna be. Utah's done a fantastic job of that. Um, and there's still a ton of holes in that roster. They they still are not talent rich. They still don't have. Um, they still have not shown the ability to bring in and develop receivers the way they do offensive, defensive linemen, defensive backs. Um, but they they also have uh, they they found a way at quarterback, uh, which is what a lot of Pac-12 teams have lacked the ability to do. Um, and even through all that, they've also been open to people coming in as transfers. You know, they're not like Clemson in that, you know, like, no, we're only going to get our kids that we develop. No, they're completely open to the idea. If you're a great football player and you want to come to Utah, you can do that. And so, I don't know, they're modern in the right ways. They're old school in the right ways. Um, it's just, you know, you, you kind of wish that they, um, you kind of wish that th- That it wasn't always so developmental with them. You wish it wasn't so momentum based. You wish they could play week one through four, the way they play the rest of the season. Uh, Because if they could, then we might have another team that was competing to be on the level of, you know, Oregon, as far as being in the, the, the national championship conversation. Are you on mute, George? <laughs> Did I lose you? I think you're <laughs> I think you're
4: muted. So, <laughs> so now let's go back to last. Oh well, actually, before we get back to last week, let's talk about the openings in the conference. You have Washington Open, you have Cat oh, not Cal. Oh, Washington Open, Washington State, USC. And there is now a report that Arizona state may not open up, which would be surprising considering where we, where we were.
3: Right. It doesn't, it's weird because it, it almost doesn't make sense for Arizona state to keep the coaches that they have. But the only thing that makes less sense would be to get rid of everybody. In this market, this is a crazy market. There's not that many coaches that are going to probably have the ability to get you where you want to go as far as their ability to network, their ability to develop talent, their proven track record, their ability as recruiters. It's a very shallow pool. Interestingly enough, two of the people in the pool used to be Arizona State assistants, in Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning, and University of Louisiana Lafayette head coach Billy Napier, but neither one of them's coming back here. They're outside of the price of what ASU could afford anyway. So what's ASU supposed to do? Herm Edwards came in said he was going to give ASU 5 years. This is going to be year 5. Do you risk a very disinterested fan base? Yeah. Do you risk a bunch of people being disillusioned based on the NCAA investigation. Yeah. But what's the alternative? Hire a bad coach and do it again in three years. Cause you can't afford the good ones. And a couple of them aren't (laughs) going to, they're not going to come work for Ray Anderson. A couple of them.
4: How crazy is that though? Is that, that, that reminds me of this, this kid. I know they were, um, uh, he was talking to another kid i i and i overheard him He was like yeah we have a it was like yeah do you have a pool he's like yeah yeah i have a pool too come over and hang out and he was like yeah but our pool's above ground i, I no 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 i'm sorry my our pool's below well, okay. in the ground and not and not above ground <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think about it man
3: okay so so let's say that you were a um you were a prospect coming out of high school and you had three schools that you really wanted to go to, but those were not the three schools that were offering you the schools that were offering you were schools that you would not have necessarily ever even considered, but you know what your talent level is. You know what your ability is. And you know that if you go to Juco and stay healthy, that you're going to have a better opportunity, even if it's only for one year. Do you take the scholarship offer from the school that you think is beneath you that isn't going to do that much for you? Or do you go take that JUCO year until those other opportunities open up? And I think that's a position that Arizona State's in right now. Now, that is being very gracious as far as the intent of ASU. The truth is, Ray Anderson has no desire nor intent to fire his lifelong friend. Not going to happen. He wants to be able to shove it in the faces of everybody who said the Herm Edwards hire was a bad idea in the first place. And so the worst thing that could happen is that they stumble into some success next year and he gets to spike the football in 2022 instead of 2021, like he was planning. Yeah, And then, you know, Herm Edwards, who said he was only going to be around five years, then they can move to the next stage of the plan, whatever that is sliding Marvin Lewis in or whatever it is they want to do. But the longer that Ray Anderson is in place, you know, it, it's it's either a package. I think Arizona State fans are getting to the point where they understand that it's either everybody goes or nobody goes. So what do you want to do? Um, the if you just look at. It's it's You're getting to the point where some of the fandom is wearing off that allows you to excuse some of the things you overlooked when Arizona State hired Herm Edwards, which is they did not hire Herm Edwards to be the football coach. They hired Herm Edwards to be the CEO. And so you get to this point where you kind of get disillusioned and the fandom wears off and, and you, you get kind of sober about it and you're like, wait a minute we hired someone to not coach the team and they're getting paid. Like they're the head coach and they're out here week after week saying that they don't actually have a hand in the team's success, the way the media believes they should, you know, when after every time they have a 10, 12 penalty game, the media asks Herm Edwards what he can do better. And he's like, that's not my job. Yeah. And you realize like, Oh, he literally means that even even though like it's been proven that if that's your emphasis, you will get better at discipline, especially at Arizona State where they brought in like Todd Graham, the disciplinarian, and then it was them in the service academies at the top every single year for least amount of penalties. Of course, if you emphasize it, you can coach it, but then you have to realize as an Arizona State fan, you brought in somebody to not coach, to not coach, to be the CEO. He's not yep. coaching the offense. He's not coaching the defense. He's not the coach. He's not the coach. He's the CEO. You might call him the head coach, but he is not actually the coach. And the things that you brought him in for that you thought sounded good at the time, like, hey, who's going to win in the living room better than Herm Edwards? You kind of sober up and realize, oh, the living room's not a thing. The living room is a thing we grew up thinking was a thing because you actually did have to go into people's homes and recruit them. In today's day and age, if you get to the living room, George, you're talking to a committed prospect and you're just using a home visit. You're not actually in competition for these kids once you're in their house. That decision's already been made. Yeah. So if Herm Edwards is not there for the living room and he's not there to coach the offense and he's not there to coach the defense, then what you're assuming is he is so in tune with what's going on that he can operate things from the 10,000-foot view. But he came in and he said, uh, we're going to have a regional footprint recruiting. That went out the window because he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> he came yeah. in. He came in and he said, we're going to have a pro development like uh, situation all set up under Al Luganville. They had to phase that out because that wasn't the right approach. That didn't make sense. Um, they came, He came in and said, we're going to keep all the same staff because continuity is important. Phil Bennett retired and Billy Napier left five seconds into it. Then he had to fire another offensive coordinator in Rob Likens and bring in Zach Hill and they're underperforming what they had under Rob Likens. So then you're like, okay, so he doesn't know what he's doing with the hires. So it's like, all right, well, he needs to give power to somebody who definitely does know what they're doing. So he imparts more and more responsibility every single year to Antonio Pierce, who, hires three assistant coaches who are now being paid to not even be associated with the team due to an NCAA investigation that happened because Herm Edwards isn't actually able to do the job of CEO. Or, Or you believe that Herm Edwards actually wanted them to cheat and caused the whole thing to happen. So you brought in a guy to not be the coach, but he can't be the CEO either. And now you're stuck in this situation. And the players love Herm because he's awesome. I love
4: her. Do you love Herm, George? Yeah, yeah, I, hell yeah! I like like I love Herm Edwards. But like, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Herm. Yeah, but
3: would you hire him to coach Oregon? No. Would you hire him to be the general manager of what Oregon's doing? No. Um. What if he was your best friend?
4: No. <laughs> like bro okay. like i mean like i'm i'm trying to like and th- th- this is based upon what what we've seen from him there's no slight against him but herm's not a college head coach he's not a college ceo whoa whoa
3: whoa, whoa 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 <clears throat> george he coached the under armor all american game he took a week out of his year to coach an exhibition high school football game Remember, that's the reason they gave that. He was ready for college because every year he took a week out of his year to coach an exhibition game in Florida so he can handle the grind of being a college coach.
4: Yep. No, there's no question about whether he can handle the grind of it because he'll do the work. It's just a matter of like, I think your head coach needs to be a bit more hands on. But um, now let's get to the weekend review. Um, we already covered the Oregon Utah game, so that one's in the books. That game finished up thirty eight to seven, but there was an interesting nugget about that game, which was the ratings, and ratings matter because in a couple years you're going to have um, uh, George Clio renegotiation for the the broadcast rights. Correct, and then that's going to put a whole different spin on things. And this game did uh 4.8 million people watching. Why, why is that important, George? Well, it's important because that 4 million number is crucial, is crucial to, um, it's crucial to, uh, those TV ratings because that's where they start paying a premium For your, for your stuff. And, and that's the highest ranked and that's the highest rated Pac-12 game in seven years. The most watched Pac-12 game in seven years, Ralph, 4.8 million. Granted time of time of day matters. It was on, it was on ABC, but, but still that is, that is a big deal. For Utah, Oregon, granted, Oregon probably carried the lion's share of that, being especially being that they were number three in the country. But the fact that Utah could draw that that interest too, I thought was dope.
3: No, that, that was definitely really cool. Um, the other thing that I think came out of this game is uh, USC got screwed over big time.
4: Why do you say that? You-
3: Well, because, uh, Mr. Tavion Thomas, who came over to Utah from Cincinnati, almost on loan, like he was in major league soccer or something like that, uh, runs, runs Oregon off the field, which puts his old team Cincinnati in position to go to the college football playoff. And guess who's not leaving his job. If he's coaching in a college football playoff, Mr. Luke fickle, right? And with James Franklin out of the mix, that was the next best big name candidate to impress all those USC fans that were so disillusioned with Clay Elton over the years was by getting Luke Fickle. Now you're not going to get Luke Fickle because Oregon lost. So this is what you get by not being back to pack. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So any, any USC people that were high-fiving that Oregon lost, just lost out on the opportunity to get Luke Fickle.
4: And Thanks, Utah. They lost out on James James Franklin as well. Hugh Freeze yeah. got a new extension. Like so, what big uh, name P.J. Fleck to-
3: got relocked up.
4: Yep. Now imagine. So I said if Dave Aranda stays, Matt At Campbell, and At um, and yeah, and Luke Fickle, bro. Like, and then because I'm pretty sure Billy Napier is going to leave Louisiana. But if you would he, be
3: stupid not to
4: correct so if but if those three stay because they're in good situations as well um what does that mean like who is out there like they're trying to they're talking about Jeff Tedford, my former officer coordinator at Oregon and former Fresno State head coach and Cal head coach about pulling him out of the scratch and dent bin uh because because he had health issues Bro, I don't I don't know how this works
3: yeah, I mean that that that's just it. Is you know they're not USC is not going to be able to make that splashy hire. They're just not, and the, and if USC can't do it, what's Washington going to do? Washington State's at least in at, in the position where a lot of people think that Jake Dickert's going to be the right guy for the job. So what is are you real? Is that splash really going to be Jane norvell or Kalen DeBoer? You're really going to get a West Coast mountain West guy, t- and that's going to be the thing that impresses your 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 fan bases. Because, you know, I don't know. I, I I think that I think I mean you and I both know that the smartest thing in the world would be to go get Jonathan Smith, the best in game head coach in the conference, and give him more talent give him more resources. And I don't know if Washington has the stomach to do it. And I definitely don't think USC has the stomach to do it. The home run is Jonathan Smith. I don't think either one of those is going to do it. And then if Oregon state finds the resources to lock him up long-term by the time USC finds a head coach, it's going to be their seventh option. And they're going to, it's going to be wild to watch the hoops that USC and Washington fans jump through to sell themselves on the idea that their head coach was the best man for the job. Who's even no. a bit like who, who out of the box that we haven't even talked about yet, who could be a 10 year hire with results at either Washington or USC.
4: Mm, 10 year at Washington. Maybe the dude from Fresno state, the Maybe.
3: Maybe, yeah. but even then you could say, hey, but he got a heck of a quarterback.
4: Yep. Nah, no, you are you are 100% right, brother.
3: You think Girl. there's a universe that exists in which, because here's the deal. David Shaw hates so much about how college football works that Stanford's really the only college job that makes sense for him. Do you think there's a world in which USC could pry him away?
4: No, <laughs> not a not a chance, bro. Not a not a chance in hell.
3: Is there any other currently employed Pac-12 coach that you think could be pried away by either USC or Washington? Because Chris Peterson's not coming back. I don't care what anybody says. Kyle Whittingham, we keep hearing these retirement whispers. You think he'll retire to SoCal? <laughs> no. Go get himself a job at USC? I don't think that's happening either.
4: No, nah, that, that that's a fair point, bro. Very, very fair point. Um, all right. Now on to the games. So we talked about Oregon, Utah, but the Friday night game, Arizona, Washington State. It was bad weather out there in Pullman. Washington State got bowl eligible. Arizona fell to one and ten, and they were back to not being competitive again. Um, Forty-four to eighteen. Um, Jaden Delora De only completed 13 passes but threw for two fifty nine and four touchdowns. Max Borgie had his final home game there. Um, you know, sixteen carries, hundred and thirty nine yards, two touchdowns. Even though he still has a year of eligibility left, I think he's either gonna go to the league or transfer to somewhere else. What was your takeaway from that game? Uh,
3: draw plays still work for some teams. <laughs> I think uh, U of a got draw played to death. Also the minute you saw those snow flurries, you knew it was over. That was a, uh, uh, that broadcast in the snow was still better than that late night ESPN truck. They've been sending around.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to argue with, uh, with, with uh, that. What, what, what did you take away from Arizona? Because, I know that this is a good team. Well, sorry, that this is a team that plays with good effort, particularly lately, but mm-hmm. they they just didn't have they don't have the secondary to keep up with a team that's going to throw the ball every down.
3: Nor defensive line, nor offensive line. They're just that they're not they're not there yet. And also it was snowing and they were from Tucson. <laughs> I don't yeah. the second I saw snow, I was like, "Oh god." <laughs> like, "No." No, 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 no. That's not, that's not going to work with this team. Uh, they tried They They tried and they still got their ass beat. Um, it was more encouraging for Washington state because the scenario now still exists where Washington state can win the North. They could do it. They can actually, can you imagine after all this, after everything that happened this season, especially after early in the season, when, you know, what was Utah at one point, like one and three, uh, after all that that we could have a Washington State Utah Pac-12 championship.
4: Nope. Nope. I cannot <laughs> I cannot have it. I cannot imagine a world where that exists.
3: Because if what is it? If Washington State wins and Oregon State wins, Washington State gets in, right? Yep. That is wild. And you know what? Washington State might win. <laughs> they might beat Utah. <laughs> Jaden DeLora is on fire. Yeah. He's oh, cool, yeah. man. I, I I like him a lot. I know I know he's got, you know, more eligibility left, but it's one of those things where, you know, if there's a coaching transition, he might he might see fit to to bounce. I don't think that would be in his best interest. But um I think going into next year, if you're picking preseason Pac twelve all first team, you know, I don't think you gotta look much further than than Jaden Delore. He might actually, you know, come out of the season with some awards as well. Especially if they can win a couple of games in a row. Yep.
4: All right. Uh, the next game up, UCLA at USC. This was, I mean, UCLA opened up a can <laughs> of whoop ass, bro. 62 to 33. 62 points. That's got to be the highest point total in the Pac 12 this year, right? Um, yeah,
3: for sure. But probably the most since the 70 to 7 game last year.
4: Yeah, this, this was. The, <laughs> You you had USC start Jackson Dart. What what was your impression of Jackson Dart? Twenty seven for forty seven, three twenty five, one touchdown, two picks.
3: Um, there's talent there. Oh, there's a scene in um, where is the scene in uh, the the show Entourage where they spend all this time making that movie Medellin? Um, yes. based on pa- Pablo Escobar. And then they screen it for critics and the movie sucks so bad that they have to sell it to a dollar or sell it for a dollar to the producer that wanted to finance it in the first place. And the producer says there's a movie in there somewhere. (laughs) He's like, we'll get it figured out. That's how I feel about Jackson dart. The results are bad. He actually played like he played bad. They lost bad. He has not won a game all year. He's, he looked good for a minute in a game that they lost. Um, no, there's a real, no,
4: no, 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 no. no, In the game that they won versus Washington state.
3: Oh, that's right. But he still threw a couple picks, right? Like he was all over the place. Yeah. So I, there's a really good quarterback in there. A really good quarterback. He can move. (laughs) He can throw. He's got, um, he's got moxie. He, he, he just feels like a USC quarterback goes out there with that eye black on like a weirdo. Love it. Um, ate it. You you hate it? I think yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> I think it makes him a character. I like. I I see a very good quarterback in there, but you have to be very honest about the fact that like just because he threw for a bunch of yards doesn't mean he didn't play like ass. So I I was not impressed, but I see it. I get it. He should have been playing at the moment that he was healthy enough. He should have been playing um, over Keaton, who's kind of had his potential maxed out out there. So, um, I'm really curious to see where Keaton Slovis ends up. I'm really curious to see if it's remains within the PAC 12, uh, conference that, that, that is fascinating to me. Um, but I don't know that Jackson dart is going to Jackson dart is going to be the quarterback through a couple of really lean years. So hopefully by the time he's a junior for USC fans, um, that they've surrounded him with a enough talent and a culture to where he can maximize what he's able to do. But I, I, I was not impressed. I just get it. I, if you put the right people around him, he's going to do good things.
4: Maybe like, like that's the way I said, like I see, okay, there is some arm talent, but I don't see how that was a significant upgrade over Keaton Slovis. I think that they're just tired of Keaton. Um, (laughs) All right. Now on the U.S. on now on the UCLA side, you had Dorian Thompson Robinson have a good game after starting out with two picks. He ended up throwing for three forty nine, four touchdowns. Two picks
3: in two throws.
4: Yes, in the to uh, start the game, Zach Charbonnet went off for one hundred and sixty seven yards. He looks like a man possessed. The dude is good. He he has NFL running back written all over him. Cashmere did you see Allen that clip of
3: him? Uh, did you see that clip of Zach Charbonnet like rocking back and forth on the bench? No. Oh my god. I don't. I don't know if they, I would love if anybody could see, that saw this could tweet me and 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 tell me I didn't make this up in my mind. But they were talking about Zach Charbonnet, and they went to a clip of him sitting on the bench, and he was um he. Do you remember? Uh, was it Lou Mazzoni who that Braves pitching coach that never stopped rocking yeah, all yep. the time that's what he looked like but he had this look on his face like let me out <laughs> I was like oh my god, <laughs> let me out get this let guy in on defense give him a put him in a Miles Jack situation just get him out on the field he was he you're right how he bad was that
4: UCLA how bad was that loss for USC though or do you uh, think that it doesn't matter <laughs>
3: I don't think anything matters this year, really. I think that it it became really clear that they were broken. um, Something you've been pointing out for a really long time, running an offense that they uh, they have no business running, ruining, ruining careers on the defensive side of the football. I want to be really clear about this. They ruined Chris Steele, Isaiah Polamau, Drake Jackson, Um, who's their prize recruit this
4: last year? The, Oh, the the D line from, uh, Centennial, um, the, the the D line and Corey Foreman.
3: Yeah. They ruined him to the point where I can't even remember his name. And he was the best recruit coming out of California. Like they ruined, ruined these guys. They, they are, these guys are going to leave USC with the reputation for being soft underperformers. They're gonna have to figure it out at the NFL level if they even can, or transfer out and become part of the identity of just a better football team. Yep. This is—I don't think anything matters. Like it was so, it was so heartbreaking slash hilarious that Chris Steele was one of those first two interceptions, right? Yes. So, yeah, that they were like, oh, man, you know, Chris Steele hasn't had an interception all year. Maybe he's finally figuring it out. And then (laughs) Dorian Thompson Robinson, (laughs) after throwing two picks in his first two throws, goes off for the most ridiculous game in the Pac-12 all year against that same defense. Shreds them. Signs an autograph for a USC fan with a UCLA hat. Hurdles a dude. Is just like, and, and they finish... I think USC is going to finish this year with one win in the Coliseum one win and like five blowout losses. Yeah, they suck. They (laughs) suck, man. They're terrible. They gave up. They gave up the first win in 60 years to Oregon state at the Coliseum. First win in like a hundred years to, to Utah. They they're terrible. They're just a horrible, horrible team. And they, and they put in the work they busted ass to make sure they were this bad.
4: <laughs> yep. Oh, so yeah,
3: you right, asked me how bad right. it is. I don't know. All I know is that was, it was really cool to see And it felt like a metaphor. Chip Kelly stuck with Dorian Thompson Robinson. And then he figured it out. And not only did he figure it out, he did something magical. And I'm hoping that that's what UCLA does with, with, with Chip Kelly. It feels like they're moving in the right direction. And I think if they stick with him, dude, I think the big-time recruits will come based off of
4: success. Yes, dude. They they play Cal this week. If they beat Cal, they're going to be in a really good good spot. Now here's the question, though, quickly so we can finish it. Dorian Thompson-Robinson still has a year of el- eligibility left. Yeah. Does he come back? I wouldn't. I wouldn't what? if I was him. I wouldn't I would, know dude. if Dorian Thompson Robinson was my kid. He'd be taking his ass back to school because well, not necessarily. You think school, that
3: Dorian but, Thompson Robinson's Chip Kelly hating dad is <laughs> is has turned the page that much to where he would tell his son to stick around.
4: The because it's about his future. Dorian Thompson Robinson, would you say that he's a better quarterback this year than he was last year? better quarterback than the year before that.
3: Oh heck yeah. And he's again very new to the position. That's to, what a regular saying, steps, dude. Yeah.
4: He could be a first round pick next year. With you the think pre- so? Yes. Because he's got the arm talent. He's mobile enough. If he can show mastery of coverage and, and all that, bro, I'm telling you. This dude can do it. I'm telling him to take advantage of that of that year. All right. Um, Washington, Colorado, <clears throat> Colorado beat Washington 20 to 17 and Washington fans had the nerve to be on my timeline. Ha ha. Look at uh, wellness check on George Reister. Ha ha ha. Dude, you lost to Colorado. Now Colorado has four wins. You're both sitting at four and seven after some people on this podcast inexplicably picked you to win the North. Ryan Lee picked, hey, 12 okay, and 0. Okay. I picked Utah guys, to win last
3: week. I'm right about some things sometimes.
4: You guys said this is the best roster in Washington's history. Well, it's four. I didn't seven. say that. I didn't
3: say that. I just what thought else, Oregon Washington was going to be bad.
4: <laughs> so, yeah. So, they lost 20-17. to 17. More inept offense from uh, them. But if you look at Dylan Morris's numbers, 33 for 52, 387, two touchdowns, two picks. That doesn't sound terrible, but then they put Patrick O'Brien in and Jalen Millen instead. I'm sorry, Patrick O'Brien, not Sam Hewitt. I I don't know, bro. I don't know.
3: Uh, I think what? Because Hewitt has played in three games. And I'm guessing oh, yeah, they, they want yeah, to. didn't want want to get him in in the Apple Cup or in a bowl game. Be more valuable than playing against Colorado. If the if the if if the point of football was to get to the 25 yard line, Washington would have scored a hundred. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> they were effing Colorado up between the red zone. Is the truth. They were like they were tearing Colorado up in the middle of the field.
4: <laughs> it, I I'm serious. Bro, I'm dead serious only, about that. Bro, think about this. Colorado won this football game. Yeah. Colorado had less than 200 yards of total offense while Washington had over 400.
3: Yeah, but they had 90 yards of defense and, on that scoop and score.
4: <laughs> and and their quarterback did not throw a touchdown. He ran for one.
3: he doesn't turn the ball over, though.
4: (laughs) They ran for 71 total yards. Ralph, how do (laughs) you lose a football (laughs) game like like this? The other team had uh, 183 yards of total offense. You have 416, and you lose. And
3: they and Colorado like lost Brendan Rice early in the no, game. No, no, I'm sorry. Not
4: 416, 426.
3: I just, I, I don't know what to say about this. Uh, Washington season's over and it doesn't matter anyway, I guess. Um, but on the Colorado end, it's interesting because this isn't obviously this is not enough to keep them from potentially moving on from Darren Shiverini at offensive coordinator. Um, they how differently would we be talking about this colorado team if their resume included a victory over texas a&m would we be saying that like that 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 everything since then is a disappointment
4: yeah true Yeah, i don't know yeah, it's just a,
3: that colorado and colorado's going to remember and washington fans are going to remember that this year that colorado was better than them <laughs> that's yep. funny
4: man all right um stan cow at stanford the big game which was the little game um everybody keeps telling you know, 41 for cow 11 for stanford
3: could have it felt felt 30 felt like a 50 point win
4: yeah and chase garbers played played well Tanner McKee, who everybody keeps saying, listen, guys, can't judge Stanford without Tanner McKee. Well, Tanner McKee was there and he is who I said he was not a great, not a great quarterback. He's just a guy. He's a statue. We
3: got to be the only podcast on earth that isn't like saying that Stanford's good when they have Tanner McKee. Like, I don't Stanford's not good. Yeah,
4: they're better, but they're not good. Good. Yes, exactly. They are better with him than they are with um,
3: Ari Patu or Jack West.
4: Yes, they're better with with Tanner McKee. But better does not mean good. This team's horrible. Horrible. They gave up, okay, (laughs) oh, my God. They gave up 352 yards rushing and another 284 passing. Yep. This defense. I told is you, I told you, I told, I told John
3: Wilner, Cal can move the football. It's just that Cal spent a lot of time this year looking a lot like Washington did against Colorado. They're moving the football and not getting touchdowns against Stanford. They have the ability to do that. But I think Cal's finally figuring things out on the offensive side of the ball. And what they need to hope is that they can continue on with the same staff that they have this year. Justin Wilcox doesn't rage quit and move his ass to Seattle. Like that's, that's what the, this, that's the best that Cal can hope for is that they, that they figure out who's going to play quarterback for them next year. And again, I guess Chase Garbers is in the same position that, that Dorian Thompson Robinson is. If you're Chase Garbers, would you stick around?
4: Yeah. If, if, if your coach leaves, I'm probably out.
3: I'm yeah. Probably out. Yeah. But I mean, so they, they moved the football well and Stanford, I don't think this is, I don't know. I, I, I think that Stanford's era is over and a lot of that's outside their control. I think the minute that we saw the transfer portal and the December 7th signing day, Become the norm.
4: It was over for Stanford. See, I don't think it had to be over. I think it's a little bit of arrogance about how you recruit and all of that. But this year they're having a who are they supposed to recruiting. take.
3: Well, the be the best thing that Stanford could do right now is move to the triple option.
4: Dude, they better. Here's the thing that they have to do. You're gonna have to have if they want to win. They're gonna have to have the school make a commitment to winning. And if the school doesn't make a commitment to winning, they're not going to win. That's the that's the long and short of it.
3: So what, a commitment to winning includes different
4: academic standards for athletes. Is that what you're not saying? Not even massively. Just if you put them somewhere in between Stanford's and UCLA's now, you're good. Like that's still a very high standard. You hear me?
3: Okay. But you take some of the luster off of, going to Stanford. F- no for you do player. Does it okay.
4: No, cuz you're still at Stanford. Bro, like and the academic requirement is still high. Bro, they they they're doing themselves a huge <laughs> disservice and I wonder how much rope that uh David Shaw has cuz if he puts up another season like this next year, which is quite possible, it could be over, bro. All right, uh the final game from the weekend, we had Arizona State at Oregon State, Oregon State 24, Arizona State 10. And the wheels have absolutely fallen off of this Arizona State team. You got Jaden Daniels' mom liking uh, incendiary tweets about the offensive coordinator and the team. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if, and, you know, there are whispers in the dark about him leaving Arizona State it seems like the wheels are falling off, Ralph. What wheels?
3: I it just I, this is this is kind of more of the same. It's there there's a lot of drama associated with this team this year. Jade Daniels is an interesting quarterback in that, you know, you have a lot of people screaming that the team didn't do enough to develop him and it's not his fault at all. Schemes are too complicated for him.
4: Well, there's, there's,
3: like a, there's another problem, but there's just, there's a P there, the, and, and I think even Arizona state fans who are diehard Jaden Daniels fans would agree with this. Everybody is going out of their way to make the most possible excuses for Jaden Daniels that you can possibly make. And at some point only having, wait, you know what? I Let's play a game, George, in okay. the last 15 games, 15. How many touchdown passes do you think ASU has out of the quarterback position? 15, 15 games. games. Yep.
4: Uh, 11.
3: Okay. So you went super low. It's 14, 14 touchdown passes in 15 games. 15 games is a very large sample size. Yes. You can remove anomalies from having any factor in, what you're able to glean from, from 15 games, 14 touchdown passes in 15 games is who Jaden Daniels is. That's who he is. Yeah. You are who you are. The idea that like Jaden Daniels threw a few touchdown passes, had a, a few good runs as a freshman and protected the ball. And then you imagine who he could be if he got better. That's the issue. Arizona State fans imagined who Jaden Daniels could be if he got better than he did um, when he was a freshman. But instead...
4: Nine picks.
3: Right. So instead, he turned the ball over more. He's thrown less touchdowns. Some people are calling that regression. I don't necessarily think that's regression. I just think that he is who he is he has not thrown a 300 yard passing game since they beat oregon in 2019 he is averaging less than a touchdown pass a game in the last two years he is a runner but not that kind of runner he oh, has the ability to get you yards games, in
4: games, and he's only thrown eight touchdowns. Right, that's not good. And
3: and so- and people are like, "Well, Zach Hill, what what did Zach Hill do wrong? Go look at go look at the year that Zach Hill had three freshman quarterbacks at Boise. You can look at their stat. In fact, in fact, I'm going to pull up Hank Bachmeyer's stats right now because. Are you telling me that that Jaden Daniels isn't even on the level of Hank Bachmeyer? Okay, so this is 2019 at Boise. Okay. 2019, Boise State. This is their quarterback play. When they had multiple injuries, multiple people coming in and out. Chase Cord, a freshman, Hank Bachmeyer, a freshman, and Jalen Henderson combined. Those guys had 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. The three of them all having to play together, all appearing in at least eight games because everybody was banged up all year long. You're going to tell me Zach Hill's the problem?
4: Nope. Nope. Nope.
3: 30 touchdowns in one season from two freshmen and Jalen Henderson. But Jaden Daniels can't average a touchdown pass a game? And that's Zach Hill's fault. Like, no, Jaden Daniels is who he is. He's OK. He's he's a game manager who is fast. Yeah. And if Jaden Daniels thinks that he's going to go to some other school in some other offense and play his way into being a day one or two draft pick, I fully encourage him to do that. And if Arizona State thinks they're going to fire Zach Hill and convince some offensive coordinator that is in need of a job to come in and change Jaden Daniels into a guy who can be a day or uh, day 1 or day 2 draft pick, good luck. Everybody needs to do what they think is absolutely necessary in order to win, but you know, I've heard people say I've heard people say two things. Uh Zach Hill doesn't know what he's doing and they've regressed because of Zach Hill, or Jaden Daniels isn't able to grasp the complexities of a Zach Hill offense, but Hank Bachmeyer and chase cord could as freshmen at Boise state. So who's, what's the issue?
4: No, no. Yeah. Very, very, very fair point, man. Very, very fair point. But
3: I don't know. All I know is that game, that game was ugly, man. That game was ugly. It was 24 to 10. And the only touchdown the Arizona state got came because Oregon state's punter, like d- didn't field the snap at the four.
4: Yeah, yep. And and then I mean, Chase Nolan only threw for ninety yards on twelve completions. Oregon State ran the ball forty six times for two hundred thirty seven yards. Did this this to me was a, an embarrassing loss the way it happened for Arizona State, and now it makes me wonder about what's going to happen this weekend i'm not so I'm what what
3: do, you, what do you think about what do you think about the quote the Herm Edwards quote after the game because they got they had so they had, again i was wrong they got a bunch of penalties um there wasn't even a huge crowd
4: and they, they got always a bunch have of penalties. Of penalties
3: but they got uh was like false start false start defensive pass interference false start that was a four play sequence in which zero plays actually counted um Rem- three false starts one- Remember and Herm Edwards me. said you can't coach that. Is that true that a coach can't <laughs> no, coach his players is, not to false that start? Is
4: not that is not true. It is about discipline, accountability, and from everything I've heard, there's a lack of accountability going on at at Arizona State.
3: Why? With- why? But why would you say that? Why would you say that? Why would you say that you can't coach discipline? That they either do it or they don't. Because I guess on some level, that's true that people either take your advice or they don't take your advice. But at some point, when it's your job to get people to take your advice, whose fault is it?
4: Yep. It's yours. So, what? So, question here, sir. What happened? What happened uh, to uh, early in the season? I think it was the BYU game. When you were like, yo, like this team will never be penalized like that again. That was an anomaly. And they're constantly penalized every week. What well, except for know. with a couple of exceptions.
3: I don't know. I don't know. I was I, mean, I was willing to bet my life on that. I don't know. Yeah. What, what am I am mean, supposed to say here? The, 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 it's ridiculous, man. You got wide receivers getting false starts. You got running backs getting false starts.
4: Multiple offensive linemen you know, and the you, and the games that they commit less penalties, they just so happen to win. That <laughs> like, there's not a correlation. All right, now, but you on- can't
3: coach that. You can't. It's not a thing you can coach.
4: It's just bad players, I guess. Yep, yeah, exactly. Don't 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 be my Mike Leach. Um all right. Now the next thing is um the the games for this week. Now these games matter a lot for in particular circumstances. So we will start with the Friday games. You have Colorado at Utah. Utah's favored by 23 and a half points. Over under 52. Give me. Give because give me Colorado plus 23 and a half. And I'm going to go with the over.
3: Yeah, I guess actually, this game doesn't.
4: Uh, actually, actually, if I go with the over, that means that 23 minus 52, that's 28. So, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay with the over.
3: Um, Yeah, I think I think I also this game just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for Utah at all, does it?
4: Uh, except for if they want to stay ranked, or potentially what end that? up in a New Year Six Bowl. You think
3: that there's a way for them to get? Because I mean, if they win the Pac-12 championship, they're going to the Rose Bowl.
4: Oh. Oh, if they if they win this week and then lose to Oregon, yet yeah, they're not going to a New Year Six Bowl. So yeah.
3: Yeah. So uh, this game, and, and if they lose this week and win against Oregon. It doesn't it matter, matter like they, anyway. They're locked into the bowl. Yeah. This game, it, it, so it's, it's the game just doesn't really matter at all. And I, so that makes me want to say Colorado plus 23 and a half. Um, but I don't think Colorado is going to score that much. So I'm going to take the under.
4: Okay. All right. Washington State at Washington, the Apple Cup that neither Nick Rolovich or Jimmy Lake actually got to coach in. Which is, for not, which is craziness, right? <laughs> in two seasons as head coach, neither one of them got a chance to coach the Apple Cup. They both finished zero and zero. Washington State, six and five. But this game is huge for Washington State. Washington State's a one-point favorite. I can't even remember the last time um, that they beat Washington, especially in Washington, um, over under of 43 and a half. Who you got?
3: The over under is 43 and a half what kind of weather are we talking about <laughs> 43 and a half really
4: uh it has rain dude why wa- Washington's had bad weather their last terrible three or weather four games. Yeah,
3: and then Washington State had the snow last week uh I'll take the over just because it's very tempting um and then wa- Washington Washington's not really playing for anything other than pride at this point. They were moving the ball pretty well against Colorado, which means if they can clean a couple of things up, that that maybe they'll score a little bit. But Washington State is playing for their head coach's job, because I yep. think if they win the Apple Cup with Jake Dickert in charge, that yeah, they can he'll get, they can he'll stop get the search.
4: Yep. Yeah. I can I tell
3: you? That. Can I tell you something about Washington State? I woke up, I woke up a couple of days ago, and I don't know if I was dreaming about it or I just thinking about it first thing in the morning. Do you know how funny it is? that a Catholic is suing a Catholic over religious discrimination. That is wild. I didn't even think about that. I've been cracking up about that. Like it was just like, oh yeah, you know, obviously Nick Rolovich is definitely going to sue because there's a lot of money left on the table and he was fired for cause. And like, it makes sense for him to sue. Right. But the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, wow, he's really suing a Catholic for religious discrimination of a Catholic that is gonna be fascinating in court
4: yes very very yeah yes you have to prove
3: seeing. Pat Chun hates his religion
4: <laughs> um yeah and Washington and Washington State hasn't won in Seattle since 2007 and they've actually only beat Washington once since 2009 so uh yeah there's that um I like
3: Washington State is that, that that's what you're going with?
4: Yep, I like Washington State and the over as well. So, uh next game up, the the next game that means something in the Pac-12 is Oregon State at Oregon. Oregon's favored by a touchdown, over under 60 and a half. I'm going with my Ducks -7 and I'm going to take the over as well because Oregon State's defense is an absolute disaster. At times at least.
3: Uh yeah, they definitely they definitely sold out to stop the run. Here's what I worry about, George. Um, because you're talking you're talking about Jaden Daniels mom liking tweets. Uh one of them was that Arizona State staff turned uh Jaden Daniels into Anthony Brown.
4: Oh <laughs> my was, God.
3: That was one of the tweets. Uh <laughs> And and so if Oregon State sells out to stop the run the way that they did against Arizona State and forces Anthony Brown to go out and win the game can he do it?
4: Yep. Uh oof. I don't think they can force him to do that though, right?
3: You think that Oregon State's running game is levels above Arizona State to where they wouldn't they wouldn't even be in that predicament. That I loved. Know. I love Travis Dye, but Rashad White's no slouch. Yeah,
4: yeah. But what I'm what I'm saying is is that Utah's defense is significantly better than Oregon State's defense. So I don't believe Oregon State's going to be able to stop Oregon. That the better chance is Oregon stopping Oregon State.
3: Yeah, and I'm just saying that I watched Oregon State sell out to stop the run against Arizona State, and it worked. And so if yeah, Jaden Daniels State really doesn't
4: isn't doesn't run the ball as well as Oregon does. Yeah, are, are we sure?
3: Yeah, we sure, sure about that. that? I don't know about that. I w- I w- we'll 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 let uh, we'll let people write in on that one. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know what. Give me the spread one more time.
4: Seven points.
3: Oregon State. I think it, I I think Oregon wins, but I think it's going to be a nail biter. Loser, loser. How many? T- oh oh, what's your record on taking Oregon in the points this year? Like one and ten.
4: Lies, lies. <laughs> two come and nine, like four times. It's not. Year. It's not shut better up.
3: than two and nine. <laughs> <He> <laughs> yes, said, it is. They shut up. To...
4: <laughs> How they do last week, George? And and a, a, actually, and there's a push in there too. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm giving you well. A, a, a at least,
3: a, at least that's the, the the better push than Oregon got last week.
4: All right, all right. The next game up: BYU at USC. BYU's BYU. BYU by a million, two million. <laughs> <laughs> over, what's the spread 64 oh no 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 B, okay the uh, spread BYU's favored by seven points over under 64
3: how much are we are we taking out loans to bet on this game
4: because we should oh my god bro seven okay yes seven points only seven points I would take it at 17 I would take it at 17 too so we're both on BYU this feels like a layup dude and um so over under 64. I'm going over. That's think, so many. BYU is gonna score 40 in this game. But this does, game's gonna does look USC just like get... UCLA, uh UCLA USC last week. 62-33. I, I I would take the over at 75, bro.
3: I'm gonna take the under because I think it might be like 45-14. What's that? 59? Yeah 45 to 14. <laughs>
4: Oh my gosh, bro. And All then, right.
3: and then, and then strong consideration for BYU playing in the Pac 12 championship.
4: Oh, bro. Against, against, against who?
3: <sighs> well,
4: to your Washington state
3: They already beat Washington State. They, so, oh my God, George.
4: They'd be 5 yeah. 0
3: in the Pac 12. But if Washington State, if so, th- that's just it. If Washington State ends up playing against Utah in the Pac-12 championship, BYU beat them both. BYU yep. is the Pac-12 champion. If that happens, the oh only way the only way that it would be disputed is if Oregon gets in. Yep. That's it.
4: Yep, that's a good point. All right, um, Cal at UCLA. UCLA is favored by six and a half points. Over under fifty eight. I got the Bruins and the under.
3: Uh, I'm going to surprise some people on this one. Um, I think Cal covers. I really, this is weird to say that I'm rooting for a team. I hope UCLA wins. Um, because I think that they would just throw us right back into the confusion of, is UCLA going to make a change at head coach? And I don't think that's the best thing for them to be doing. Um, obviously the contract situation is its own beast, uh, with Chip Kelly, but, um, I do think, Cal's ability to move the football is not a fluke. So I'm going to take the over and I'm going to take Cal, but I am fingers crossed that, that, cause I don't, I don't know how much it really means. Cause can Cal get to a bowl?
4: Uh, no, the only- I actually, yes. yes, yes, yes. Cause they, they would have to beat UCLA and then beat USC.
3: Okay. So, So the two teams right now that still have bowl eligibility that are not in a bowl are Cal and USC. It would be very, very interesting to have USC and Cal at five and six squaring off. Nobody's going to give a shit if both of those teams are four
4: and seven. You are 100% right about both of
3: those teams are probably going to be four and seven though.
4: Yep. Um, All right. Uh, So do you have the, you took Cal and the over. calling over. Okay. Yeah. Um Arizona Arizona State ASU's favored by 20 and a half points. Over under 52 and a half. Bro, that means that they don't even think they're going to score two touchdowns. I I'm going to take Arizona in this game. This I feel very confident that they will not lose by three touchdowns because Arizona State they, if this game if they're able to keep this game close if Arizona can keep it close to early, the, the wheels are going to come off, bro. And they'll, they'll win on like a – and Arizona will win on like a Hail Mary or
3: something. Uh, This game was a 63-point deficit last year. Um, Believe it or not, Arizona State is better than last year's team, and U of A is worse than last year's team. So it's not going to be 63 again. That's one of those like the wheels fell off and then it just kept getting worse and worse. As a snowball game. Um, but first of all, I feel very confident about taking the over on the fifty-two. Maybe the most confident. Either USC plus or you, you uh, BYU minus seven or ASU U of A over fifty two is the one of the two things I feel the most confident in. Definitely going in the Unafraid show, uh, fearless Friday picks. Um so I'll do, I'm taking the over for sure. And then I gotta. I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna take ASU because even if you split in half what they did last year, that's still a thirty-something point win. So um, it's still it's still a matter of talent, and Arizona State is still the much, 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 much better team. I think that it, Arizona State would. Ha- and I know a lot of people say just win the game, but I think Arizona State would be embarrassed if they went out there and won on a field goal. I think that's a victory for U of A.
4: Yeah. Oh, abs- absolutely!
3: I mean, not um, on the, not on the scoreboard; they'd still be one and eleven. But at the same time, to go from losing by sixty three to losing by three,
4: yeah, I got Arizona and the and the under. What do you have?
3: Arizona State and the over.
4: Okay, Last and I'll buy game. ten
3: points and put it on the over. Well, sixty? That it's gonna they're going over fifty two for sure.
4: All right, uh, Arizona Notre Dame at Stanford. Notre Dame's favored by 20 and a half points. Over under 52. Give me the over. Notre Dame probably is going to score 52 all by themselves. I this why is this line at 20 points? It should be at 40. This the, the line should be the same thing as if uh is if Notre Dame was playing like uh a directional school, dude if they were playing Samford instead of stanford i would expect the lines to, to to be the same
3: jesus um yeah 20, 20 uh, it's 20 and a half is that what you said 20 and a half is the spread yeah yeah there's no reason not to take that 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 this is 21 easy easy 20 i mean i'll take the over as well but ah, it feels really bad at the end of the season to be talking about these non-Pac-12 teams beating the shit out of Pac-12 teams.
4: <laughs> Dude, and like being Notre very short of Stanford, it. They're going to go 7-0, 7-0 in the Pac-12 this year. And both of them played USC and one of them played Stanford. So,
3: So we're it. saying, so what we're saying is we fully expect there will not be another bowl team. Because yes. it would take both Cal so there can only be one more, right? There can't be any more yeah, than one more. Correct.
4: It would it would take USC it would take USC and Cal winning this week and then one of them winning next week. So only one more team can get bowl eligible.
3: God, it would be just like it would be just like the Pac twelve to have like USC find a way to beat BYU while Cal loses to UCLA and then USC would just need to beat Cal. And then they would lose, and
4: <laughs> right
3: they and they'd find a way for neither one to go. I, But I don't even think it's going to be that. I think they're both going to be four and seven going into. Um, well, they, 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 that's a bad year. That's a bad year for the Pac-12, and we're only yeah. going to get probably we're only going to get three coaching changes unless one of the coaches changes to another, like Jonathan Smith or, or Justin Wilcox changes to a. To an opening, a year this bad with only three coaching changes. Wow.
4: Exactly. Um, Dennis Dodd just reported that uh, Luke Fickle is staying at Cincinnati and recruits are being told such. Well. (laughs) Yep. So, uh, yeah. So, um, you guys, that's the Pac-12 Apostles. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. Peace out. Catch you guys next week. And happy Thanksgiving.